the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. This great nation will endure as it has endured. Let me assert my firm belief that the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Freedom and the dignity of the individual have been more available and assured here than in any other place on earth. You are about to embark upon the great crusade toward which we have striven these many months. The eyes of the world are upon you. The hopes and prayers of liberty-loving people everywhere march with you. We're not, as some would have us believe, doomed to an inevitable decline. I do not believe in a fate that will fall on us no matter what we do. I do believe in a fate that will fall on us if we do nothing. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. From every mountainside, let freedom ring, and if America is to be a great nation, this must become true. So let freedom ring. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is Always Right Radio on AM 1420, The Answer. Here's your host, Bob France. Oh, yes, it is. And a good morning to you. Thank you so much for joining us at 10 minutes after the hour of 9 o'clock on a Monday. The 17th morning of the seventh month in the year of our Lord, 2023. Really appreciate you being with us. We've got a nice show lined up for you today coming up. In about a half an hour, we're going to talk to the chairman of the House Judiciary Committee and of the House Judiciary Subcommittee on Weaponization of Government, Jim Jordan. He'll be with us for his regular 935 visit. Then at 1010, Ohio's Secretary of State, Frank LaRose, is going to join us. Now, he's been very, very busy answering a lot of questions about the upcoming um, August 8th uh, special election, one that we don't want you to wait, of course, until August 8th to vote in. We want you to vote yes, uh, at least I do. When I say we, I think most of the people listening to me right now would agree. But uh, we want you to vote yes on issue number one in the August 8th special election. We just don't want you to wait until then. We want you to vote early, go to the Board of Elections, and get it done at some, t- some point between now and uh, the 8th. Obviously, early voting is 30 days long. We can kind of... You know, uh, break that down to four quarters, four one-week quarters. Well, week number one is over. Quarter number one is over. So we're into the second quarter of the game. Don't wait until the two-minute warning on August 8th to cast your your vote. 
But at any rate, uh, Secretary of State Frank LaRose is going to be running that election as Secretary of State. He's also supporting voting yes on issue one. So we're going to talk to him about, the, about him about that. But we're also going to talk to him about a special announcement he wants to make. Now, if you've been paying attention to Ohio politics much at all, you probably can figure out <clears throat> what his announcement is going to be, but I'm going to let him say it out loud when he joins us at 1010 this morning. So there you go. I've got uh, Jim Jordan at 935. I've got Frank LaRose at 1010. And, of course, we welcome you whenever you're ready to make that call, 216-901-0945 and 888-281-1110. What do you say we start our day with our pledge? As we try to do each and every day, sometimes it pushes us back a little bit into the first half hour, but today we're going to jump on it early. So patriots, please stand, put your hand on your heart and face your flag if you have one, and join us for our pledge. If you are a believer in the single, or excuse me, in the two-tiered system of justice that we have in place in the United States today, rather than the single-tiered system of justice in which everyone is held accountable to the law equally, Well, then you don't believe in that flag, nor the Constitution, or the country that it represents. So, therefore, you may take a knee instead of standing proudly and pledging your allegiance to it. As for the rest of us, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice. So, they don't know is the end of the story. We tried. We tried really hard. We just don't know whose cocaine it was. What do you want us to do? We asked around and and, and we looked around and uh, we couldn't find anybody, so we closed the investigation. Secret Service announced on Friday they were closing the investigation without a culprit, without finding out who brought an illicit substance into the west wing of the White House, just outside and off of the Situation Room, a place where only high-level and family members of high-level White House officials that they have access to. Secret Service said, we just couldn't figure it out. So we've closed the investigation, and there will be no accountability. I watched this thing play out, knowing from the very beginning how it was going to end. You probably did too, but it is still stunning and shocking to hear it actually announced. We just don't know. We tried. We couldn't figure it out. And so we're not going to try to figure it out. Secret Service... according to sources speaking to NBC News, said that they wrapped their investigation with the leading theory being that someone on a tour (laughs) left the illicit substance at the White House. The investigation will not be able to single out a person of interest from the hundreds of individuals who passed through the vestibule where the cocaine was discovered, the Secret Service said in a statement. No fingerprints or DNA were reportedly found on the bag of cocaine. It must have been carried by somebody using tongs because they didn't get their fingers on it or wearing gloves, according to the Secret Service. You know, because that's generally speaking how people would carry a bag of cocaine. Not in their pockets 
or their purses or their briefcases or whatever it is that they're wearing where they would have to reach in and take it out with their hands. They must have been wearing gloves in July, of course. They would have been wearing gloves. Or they would have been using some other instrument to possess, carry, and drop the cocaine into the location where it was eventually found. That sounds plausible, doesn't it? Because nobody, nobody gets searched when they come into the White House, one of the most secure buildings in the world. Nobody at all. So the fact that there's no DNA or no usable fingerprints, hey, we tried, they just, we just didn't see any, we were told. Representative Tim Burchett of Tennessee said he and other lawmakers talked with the Secret Service and were given the news before the official statement was released. He said, just left the most ridiculous meeting of all time with the Secret Service on the cocaine that was found in the White House. It turns out they don't know who did it. The investigation is over, and they're not going to find out who did it. Basically, another cover-up. Gee, do you think? President Trump was speaking at Turning Point at the Turning Point Action Conference uh, in West Palm. Uh, Here's what he had to say about it. Think of it. They have cocaine going into the White House. They've got more cameras than any building probably in the world. It's opposite the Situation Room. I said it the other day, first time, you know, situation, know it very well. Probably the most important room anywhere in the world. That's where war is decided, where nuclear is decided, where everything is decided. They say, oh, gee, we didn't have any cameras. Like hell they didn't. Like hell they didn't, exactly. Um, NSC spokesman John Kirby went on the Sunday news shows yesterday to say, you know, I can't really speak to it. I don't know why they couldn't find it, but we consider the matter closed. Certainly you can understand that Americans, many of them, first of all, are aghast that there was ever cocaine in the White House. We heard that there were reports of marijuana a couple times found there last year as well. But more importantly, that it's case closed in less than weed and blow at the White House. The White House that we were told by the current president of the United States, he was going to restore dignity and honor to. You know, after that undignified Trump presidency, he was going to restore dignity to the White House. Who knew that dignity came with a drug party? With weed and blow all over the place. In two weeks, we know nothing about who brought this in, inability to track people, no surveillance cameras. What if it was something much more dangerous? Well, again, I can't really speak to the investigation that was done by the Secret Service. Uh... Why? Why? Why can you not speak to the investigation that was done by the Secret Service? Explain that to me. He's the coordinator of strategic communications at the National Security Council. I don't know about you, but a bag of white powder found at the White House when it could have been ricin, it could have been anthrax, it could have been anything, could have been fentanyl. A white bag of powder was found at the White House. I would call that a national security situation. And the strategic communications director at the National Security Council said he can't speak to the investigation that was done by the Secret Service. Why? It's your job to speak on matters of national security, is it not? Uh, they did the best they could to, to track down uh, how it got there and, and who it might have belonged to, and they just were not able to come up with any forensic evidence. What did they do? 
What'd they do? Walk around the, the, the White House like you or I would if we lost our car keys? You ever do that? You ever lose your keys? I'm trying to leave, and I'm on a, in, a, in a pinch here. They're not on the, the key ring hook or wherever it is you keep them. You're looking here. You're looking there. Maybe your cell phone. Yeah, I checked the couch cushions. Wasn't there. Yeah, I checked the, uh, the shelf you know, in the, in the uh, bedroom. Wasn't there. I can't find my phone anywhere. Is that what they did? They just walked around looking, yeah, yeah, I don't see any, uh, anybody with cocaine on them, so we're done. What the hell does that mean, and why can you not speak to the Secret Service investigation? That's your job. can't really speak to the investigation that was done by the Secret Service. Uh, they did the best they could to, to track down uh, how it got there and, and who it might have belonged to, and they just were not able to come up with any forensic evidence that, that proves it. But of course, look- Do you think that the FBI might have been interested in this? What do you think? Cocaine is an illegal substance. It's an illicit substance. That means it's against the law. That means law enforcement should be involved here. Why is Secret Service the only detail doing the investigating on this? Why is the law enforcement agency, otherwise known as the Federal Bureau of Investigation, why are they not investigating? Why is the DOJ not involved in this? You would think that the FBI which can find a needle in a haystack, you know they could find every single person who ever visited Washington, D.C. between February 5th and February, or excuse me, I don't know why I said February, January 5th and January 7th of 2021, so that they can try to pin uh, crimes on them for treason and insurrection and all this other crap. They can find anybody, anywhere, anytime. You're telling me that the FBI couldn't be dispatched here to put their incredible investigative uh, experience, knowledge, and talent to work to find out who the hell brought cocaine into the White House? We're not even going to ask the FBI to be involved here? Just Secret Service? That's that's what we're going with. Proves it. But of course, look, we take this seriously. That's not the kind of thing we want to see happen. Now, it did happen in a visitor's uh, lobby area out just just outside the main West Wing, Um, except for the fact that it was found outside the situation room, which is not a visitor's lobby. Uh, So it was highly trafficked area. It was highly trafficked only because there was cocaine trafficked through it. We're going to take a look at uh, uh, at how that happened, and obviously, we'll if there's things we can do to prevent that in, in the future, certainly we'll do that. Nobody's ha- so the official statement from the director of the communication strategic communications at the National Security Council is, "We'll try not to let that happen again." That's the official statement. We don't know who did it, but we'll try to make sure it doesn't happen again. That's the official word we're supposed to get. And I know everybody hates whataboutism. I don't give a rat's rear end. I'm doing whataboutism. If cocaine was found in the Trump White House, would the media, the left, the Democrats, be satisfied with a week of investigation, in air quotes, by Secret Service saying, we don't know who it was, and the case is now closed? You and I both know this would lead to another impeachment. That's where it would lead, not just for the coke, but for the cover-up, because that's clearly what is happening here is a cover-up. Everybody knows it. And everybody knew from Jump Street, right from the very beginning, that if they weren't going to identify the culprit, it's because we all know who the culprit was. 
the only member of a presidential family that I'm aware of in my lifetime that is an that has an admitted or that is an admitted crack addict, an admitted cokehead. To my knowledge, there were no cokeheads in the family of the Trump family. There were no cokeheads in the family of Obama. There was no there were no cokeheads in the family of of George W. Bush. There were no cokeheads in the Clinton family. There were no cokeheads in the in the uh, Bush family. No cokeheads in the Reagan family. I we can go back. But cocaine is not something that was commonly uh, or even even infrequently uh, an issue with any other family except for one family. The Biden family has a cokehead in it. His name is Hunter, and Hunter Biden, an admitted cokehead, an admitted crack addict, is going to get away with leaving his crack or his coke. I guess it was powder, so it wasn't rock form, so that makes it from crack to coke leaving his coke in the White House where he and only people like him, family members of, uh, of uh, elected officials in the White House, high-ranking senior officials in the White House, come in with no security protocols. Hunter Biden left his crack behind or left his coke behind, and that's the only reason Secret Service is closing the investigation without naming the, the suspect or the culprit. If it was a construction worker who was doing some build-out in the situation room, you would know they would identify him immediately. If it was a civilian, if it was if it was anybody that wasn't going to be embarrassing or humiliating to Joe Biden, they would have identified them. But because it would be devastating to Joe Biden's campaign and his presidency to acknowledge that his son, who travels with him on Air Force One, who was in business with him in numerous overseas dealings that have enriched the Biden family. If it was found that his coked-up son was in or near the Situation Room, it would be the, the end, probably, of the Biden presidency and the beginning of the end of his, uh, of his campaign for re-election. That's what we know. Tucker Carlson had a little bit of fun with this yesterday at uh, the Turning Point USA conference. We'll uh, play a little bit of that for you a little bit later on. We do have Congressman Jim Jordan coming up. I will be asking about the Secret Service closing of the investigation. And we will also talk about why it is that the Biden administration admitted the quiet part out loud just a couple of days ago when Kamala Harris said, yep, we're trying to kill off the population. I'll share that story, too. Stay here. It's Always Right Radio on AM 1420, The Answer. True International Keeping you informed. Among the uninformed, always right radio with Bob France on The Answer. 9.35, good Monday morning to you. Thanks again for being with us. Don't forget we have a special special announcement coming your way at 10.10 from Ohio Secretary of State Frank LaRose. He's going to make that announcement live here on Always Right Radio. We're joined now by our regular Monday visitor. He just happens to be the chairman of the House Judiciary Committee and the Judiciary Committee's Subcommittee on Weaponization of Government, Ohio's 4th Congressional District Representative Jim Jordan. Congressman, good to have you. How are you, sir? 
I'm doing fine, Bob. Hope, hope you're doing well. We are. Yes, sir. Um, boy, I'll tell you what. It was quite a sight watching uh, Chris Ray testify on Wednesday. Um, your opening statement was just straight fire. Uh, so many questions were asked that, quite frankly, I was not satisfied with the answers to. So give me yeah. your give me your, your uh, 30,000-foot view of, of the testimony of, of Director Ray, and then we'll get specific. Well, no, I think your takeaway was was where where most people were. It's like, and that's sort of consistent with Director Ray. It seems like we never really get much from him. He comes in and says he can't say this, won't say that. Get back with you. I'll brief you privately. On and on it goes. So that's always frustrating. I thought that maybe the, the key takeaway was what they're doing with with Americans' data. So we we put up the email that we had got from Subpoena and Bank of America, and it showed that uh, the FBI asked financial institutions, in this case specifically Bank of America. Turn over all debit and credit card purchases of all your customers in the Washington, D.C. area on January 5th and 6th, 2021, and then overlay that information with any firearms or firearm-related purchase that, that they've had. Now, that is scary stuff when the government just blanket asking for that kind of information. And then maybe just as, just as telling was when two Democrats, two separate occasions, asked him about the purchase of private data from brokers, uh, of, of American of, of the American people, and he says, "Well, I'll have to get back with you and give you a briefing on that." So this is scary stuff. And then you couple that with everything else, with what they've done to parents, how they what they've called pro-life Catholics, uh, the censorship that was pointed out by the federal court, and it's a and it's a scary picture. And it's why we've talked about getting to the bottom of what we term as the weaponization of these agencies against the American people. So, Congressman, the question, I guess, becomes, you know, you, you, you don't like what he's doing. Most of your colleagues don't like what he's doing. Most Americans don't like. 37% of Americans have a favorable yep. view of Christopher Ray, who's in charge of our top law enforcement agency at the federal level. And the question becomes, when do we start impeachment? What, what do we do? You know, it's one thing to bring him in, yell at him for eight hours, yep. have him say, ah, yep. I can't really say much, and then have him walk away unscathed. It's another thing to do something. What can be done? Well, I think that the speaker's been been uh, very open to this idea that we may have to move into uh, an impeachment inquiry at some point, for uh, more so for 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 Attorney General Garland, and in relation to this activity we just talked about, because the FBI is obviously part of the Justice Department, but also with with the way they've handled these two whistleblowers who've now come forward uh, from the Internal Revenue Service. In fact, they, those two individuals, uh, my understanding is they're going to be testifying. I know Gary Shapley, and I think. The individual who was who's remained anonymous, I think he may testify too. Um, I don't know that that's finalized, but the the Mr. Shapley's plan is, is set to testify uh, this Wednesday in front of the Oversight Committee. So um, we'll look forward to that, and I think getting information in a public way, and, and, and Democrats will be there to cross-examine these guys. But I think they're going to hold up strong because uh, I think they're 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 very credible. And then you you move from there. But the speaker's been clear: we we need to continue with these investigations, get the facts on the table, and then if it's warranted, then we move into an impeachment inquiry, um, which I think, again, is a decision for the entire Republican conference to make. But if that's what the facts dictate, then that's where we got to go. If if it's short of impeachment when it comes to Ray, and I understand about Garland, and you're right, it should start there at the top of the DOJ, but if impeachment falls short and that isn't the way to go or it doesn't work or whatever, what other tools do you have here? Particularly, you know, the very first point you just made, was about their data mining. 
uh, Chris Ray used his his position and his and his his bureau to mine data of of American citizens, private American citizens, about their weapons and so on and so forth, their purchases. Yeah. I mean, that's not legal. I mean, to my understanding, it's a violation of the Fourth Amendment at the very least. So, if we have unconstitutional and illegal things being done by and directed by the director of the FBI, uh, are there are there any other legal ramifications here other than potentially impeachment? Is well, there anything less they than? would argue they would argue that it is legal. What we're going to look to do is pass legislation here real soon that says if if it would require a warrant to get that information for government to get that information, you can't go buy it from the private sector as a way to work around the Fourth Amendment. So that that we need to pass legislation now. I will say this: Congressman Davidson from our great state got in the uh, National Defense Authorization Bill an amendment which said the DOD can't do what the FBI, what, what Chris Ray admitted the FBI is doing, which is purchasing private data, or said that he'd have to get back with us and explain what the FBI is doing. I, I want to be clear. So we, there was an amendment added that said the Department of Defense can't do that, uh, that, that Mr. Uh, Davidson got in the uh, National Defense Authorization Act last week, which is a good good step in the right direction. We're going to look to pass a, a, uh, a bill that, that, that says the FBI can't do that as well. So you do legislation, and then, of course, we've talked about it many times, use the appropriations process to put limits on these guys um, in the Justice Department and these other agencies, like the Department of Homeland Security that's been attacking American speech, censoring American speech, you, trying to set up a disinformation governance board. You, you, you look at all these agencies that have been uh, trying to censor and, uh, and, and, and you know, restrict Americans' rights. Yeah, I don't even see the uh, data mining with the banks and financial institutions as a workaround. It's a direct search, search and seizure. Yeah, it's it's, it's yeah. a direct. I mean, sure. I'm searching for information on these people, if and I'm going to go to this bank and this financial institution and say, "Sell us these records," um, and and we'll find out. I just think it's um, you know, it's as it's one semantics. of our colleagues. Yeah, Bob, as one of our colleagues said during the hearing, uh, if it's not illegal, it darn well should be. And that's uh, and we're in the legislative business, so we need to pass legislation that says you can't do this. Uh, and we're looking to do that as well. More on the FBI, Congressman Jim Jordan. Um, there's a bill that apparently is getting closer to getting out of committee and getting to a floor vote. Maybe you can update me on that. To defund the FBI by $1 billion. First of all, tell me about the bill. Second of all, how will you respond to the critics that are automatically going to say, and in fact they already are, you know, I thought you conservatives didn't like the idea of defunding the police, which of course was the mantra nationwide yeah. after George Floyd, you know, because the FBI is a federal police agency, law enforcement agency. So how do you respond to that? Well, we're not defunding. What we're doing is we want to make sure the rank and file agents have what they need to do to do their job. That's not the problem. What we're saying is we're going to put restrictions and we're going to reduce the amount of money that's going to the FBI so that you can't do some of these things you shouldn't be doing in the first place. And frankly, we're not going to give you any more money. We're not going to we're not going to let you 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 go build this new you know shiny new building, this shiny new headquarters in Virginia or Maryland. You see where they're competing, which state's going to get it. What we've said is moving to Huntsville, uh, moving to Alabama. Um, if you're gonna if you're gonna do it anywhere, uh, because there's already big space down there that's already that's already viewed as the second headquarters now, where they have 20 of their 30 divisions, for goodness sake. So that's that's our response. This is just good common sense. This is what we're supposed to do in a legislative body when we're spending the taxpayers' money. Um, Congressman, tell me about Huntsville, Alabama. You have pretty much laid that out. Is that must be the location to move the FBI headquarters? Why Huntsville? Well, like, like I said, that they already have 20 of their 30 divisions operating down there. They're, this is the place where they want to move space. Where there's all kinds of things they want to move to that, that location, all kinds of area, all kinds of space. There's, um, it's viewed, as I said, the second headquarters now for the, for the FBI. 
And frankly, as someone's pointed out, there's actually an airstrip there. So Chris Ray, with his private plane, he'll be able to land there anytime he wants. Um, so we think that makes sense, and that's a, that's a huge savings for, for the American taxpayer if it goes there. And maybe more importantly, it gets some of these guys out of the headquarters who are, where the problems are, gets them out in you know real America, away from the swamp, we think that could be good for the country as well. That's what I wanted to hear. I mean, really, it just cannot be in D.C. I mean, you know, people call D.C. the swamp, and they think it's just a nickname, and it, and it is, of course. But I mean, there really is corruption that 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 feeds off of itself, and and it and it enables more, and it creates more, um, and that maybe, just maybe, the Department of Justice and the FBI, maybe these places or these organizations would be better served to be in a place that is not necessarily as corrupt and uh, and able to be, uh, you know, collusion is able to happen and so on with other agencies. Yeah, put them in, put them in Cleveland, Ohio, put them in Urbana, <laughs> Ohio. You know, like, there's, there's, like, get them out in God's country, for goodness sake. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. So uh, particularly when you have the history of this is the organization that the federal court just said was censoring Americans. This was the organization that said moms and dads at school board meetings are going to use the Patriot Act. We're going to treat you like terrorists, set up a snitch line for people to report you, go investigate you. This is the organization that had an FBI memo from the field office in Richmond that said if you're a pro-life Catholic, we think you're radical, we think you're an extremist. I mean, this is the organization that, frankly, uh, you know, the, the, the whistleblower says one thing, the, the attorney general says something else when it comes to how this investigation of Hunter Biden was handled. And who are you going to believe? I, I think I'll believe the whistleblower. Uh, I think he's a lot more credible than, than an organization that parents treated parents as terrorists and Catholics as, as radicals and spied on American citizens. It's coincidental and convenient that you mentioned the name Hunter Biden for this next part of this part of our conversation. Well, again, I can't really speak to the investigation that was done by the Secret Service. Uh, they did the best they could to, to track down uh, how it got there and, and who it might have belonged to. And they just were not able to come up with any forensic evidence that that proves it. But of course, look, we take this seriously. That's the strategic communicator, or coordinator, rather, uh, I'm sorry, the, the coordinator for yeah. strategic communications at the National Security Council. He says, yeah. I can't comment on the Secret Service investigation of the cocaine that was found outside the uh, Situation Room in the West Bank. And I'm trying to figure out, how is the presence of an illicit substance, which we now know to be cocaine, but which might have been yeah. ricin or anthrax or any number of other things, how is this not a national security issue to the point where the Director of Communications for the National Security of Co- Council cannot comment on it? Yeah, I, I, I have no idea. And, and how is it that the greatest country in the world just says after a few days, well, Shazam, we can't figure it out. So end the story. Let's wash our hands of it. And, we'll, you know, let's uh, let's what's for dinner tomorrow. I mean, it's like, what? That's the response. <laughs> so I again, I'm as frustrated, I think, as, as every other American who looks at this. And, and it's just like one more example of like what is going on here. Uh, and you wonder why. The approval rating of, of D.C. is where it's at. You, you wonder why that, that four out of five Americans think there's a two-tiered system of justice. I mean, it's like it just uh, one more example of, of the concerns that I think so many Americans have. What, what I don't know is why our investigative agencies like the FBI, you and I were just discussing, were not dispatched to be a part of this. Why is it only Secret Service? This is the presence of an illicit substance in the White House. That's a crime. Therefore, why yeah. are our law enforcement agents? Why Why has Chris yeah. Ray not dispatched? They can find needles in haystacks, the FBI can. They can find anybody who ever bought a pack of cigarettes in D.C. from January 5th to January 7th of 2021. Uh, but they can't find, in the limited number of come, who come through a White House, who might have brought a bag of cocaine in? That's impossible for me to think that the FBI wasn't put on the case. 
Well, not only the, the can't, the, are they saying they can't find it, they're saying we're not going to try anymore. Right. Well, you tried they're for what, a couple days. So, like, what, what, what is what is that? You know, I, I, I don't get it now. I asked, actually asked Chris Ray a question late in the hearing. I, I asked him, was the FBI involved in trying to figure out who brought cocaine into the White House? And he said, from a lab perspective, they analyzed the stuff. Because, I, I, you know, when you first get it, as you pointed out, was it some other substance, some kind of some kind of poison or, you know, whatever. Sure. Um, sure. And, and uh, he said they were involved in that. But I don't believe, based on that answer he gave me in the committee, um, I don't believe they were involved in trying to figure out who did it and, and who, who it belonged to. So which is, seems kind of, kind of strange to me as well. Well, they, they, they wrapped it by saying that there was no DNA or fingerprints on the baggie. And I'm thinking to myself, wait a minute. The only way you get a bag of cocaine into the White House is to stash it somewhere in a pocket, a purse, a briefcase, or something. And then to leave it where you left it, you had to pick it up and touch it, which means if there's no fingerprints on it, you were wearing gloves or you were carrying a pair of tongs and dropping it yeah. down that way. Uh, and, and I don't think too many people are wearing gloves in July. Trying yeah, to yeah. tell us that there were no fingerprints on that baggie strains, you know, credibility. It's just yeah, the very I least. know. I, nothing makes sense, but nothing makes sense from this White House, period. Whether no. it's this stuff or whether it's policy, nothing makes sense. And, um, again, that's the frustrating People one of the other are. Yeah, and, and, and people like to play whataboutism, and I know nobody really likes that, but I can't help it. I mean, yeah. this is 2018, you know, and, and cocaine is found in outside the uh, Situation Room in the West Wing of the, the Trump White House. Are you telling me yeah. that after two, three days of, yeah, we can't find anything, it's, we, we now consider the matter closed, is that going to yeah. satisfy the Democrats? Is that going to satisfy Ain't the no, media? Of course not. There's just no way, but... Uh, you know, only in uh only with today's press is it is it okay to have that kind of kind of decision. So go yeah. figure. Yeah, well, it's it's criminal. It's a criminal cover up, is what it is. It's worse than the cocaine is the cover up, and that's uh, that's that's what we should be focusing on. Uh, Congressman, last thing I want to ask you about is is another. Um, I don't even know what to call this, but this is Kamala Harris, the vice president of the United States. About the impact on something like public health. When we invest in clean energy and electric vehicles and reduce population, more of our children can breathe clean air. Congressman, the vice president was speaking on climate change and climate threats, and she said what many people consider to be the quiet part out loud, that yeah. population reduction is a part of the goal of the, of the extreme uh, climate agenda that the White House appears to be partnering yeah. with. What do you make of what she said? Well, she said more of our children can breathe, uh, breathe clean air. It sounds like she wants less of our children to breathe, uh, breathe clean air because she, you know, she wants to reduce population. That makes no sense to me. Uh, it is wrong. And it's, and it's so contrary to, you know, this is the greatest country ever. Like, you want, you, you know, you want as many people coming here. You want to have big family. You know, like, well, I, don't, I just don't get it. But that's today's radical left. Uh, you know, get rid of the internal combustion engine. Get rid of gas stoves. Get rid of of all kinds of things that just don't make any sense uh, and and have this hard left ideology, which drives up the cost for families and, and um, uh, for all Americans. So, yeah, I don't understand it. But, it's, again, it's not the first time she said something I don't understand. My guess is it's probably going to continue. Because uh, what was it? What was she doing when she was explaining AI the other day? I mean, it's like, we're not in kindergarten. We're not in kindergarten, for goodness sake. 
<laughs> yeah, her 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 condescension and her uh, I I don't know if she's condescending to our audience when she speaks in such elementary levels like that, or if that's just the only way she can understand it herself. Um, but 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 it's not her her. Um, to me, her lack of mental uh, um, acuity that is of a concern here, it's the agenda that I think she slipped and revealed. The the White House tried to walk that back saying the teleprompter yeah. said pollution. She mistakenly said population. So either she is so ignorant and unaware of what she's reading, she had never seen it before, and she just kept right on reading and didn't realize she had said the wrong word, which is really bad, or... She knew darn well what word she said. She said population and didn't go back to correct it because she meant it. Either way, I just think yeah. that's a that's a devastating thing to know that she is a heartbeat right. away from a presidency that is currently yeah. occupied by an 81-year-old man with with severe declining health. I mean, I just think that's a real yeah. issue that needs to be discussed in Washington and around the country. Yeah. The left has the left has always been for this like reduced population concept. I mean, it's it's been part of the the hard left for a long time, and as, as we've talked about many, many times, the, 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 the hard left now controls the Democrat Party. So um, I wouldn't be surprised if it was actual the text. Maybe it was a Freudian slip. Maybe it was just a slip-up period, and like you said, she didn't correct it. I don't know, but as I said well, before, I don't think it'll be the first thing she says that's, uh, that, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Well, all I know right now, Congressman Jim Jordan, is that you know we just went through the coronavirus pandemic, which was created in a lab in Wuhan, China, and released on the world, or it slipped out on the world that killed millions. Then we have yeah. this pseudo-vaccine, which has also, I believe, killed scores of people and made enough people sick with cardiac conditions and others that they're going to die shortly. And now we want not safe, legal, and rare abortion, but abortion on demand, any Anywhere for any reason. So it sounds to me like when she says population decline, she's saying we're going to be knocking off the people who are here and we're going to make sure that the ones that are on their way do not get born. They're not kidding when they say that we care more about the planet than the people. Well, and when it comes to the life issue, they want, they want American taxpayers to pay for it, pay for the taking of an innocent unborn child's life. Uh, that was something, a good amendment we got in the, in the defense bill last week, which is, no, no, we're not going to pay for you to travel somewhere to take the life of an unborn children, we're, we're just, a child, we're just not going to do that. Um, but you're right. This 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 attitude they have about kids and unborn kids is is pretty extreme. They think you should be able to take the life of an unborn child right up until their birthday. Um, they're the ones who have the extreme positions, and yet they're always saying, "Oh, it's those Republicans who are in the culture wars." No, it's not. We're for normal. We're for common sense. We're for protecting life, and you guys are the radical ones. And uh, I never back away from that that debate. Well, uh, you know, extreme, I think, describes the entire movement of the American left right now, including uh, that uh, agenda of the administration in the White House. We'll call it the regime. Congressman Jim Jordan, thank you so much for the great work you do. You we'll talk to you again soon, sir. Right. Great, Bob. Take care. There's Jim Jordan. It's 954. Wow. We're going to talk more about what she said. We're going to talk more about what that means. Is she just stupid? And because she doesn't look at the speech ahead of time, she just reads whatever the teleprompter said. And because she never saw it before, she didn't even realize that she said the wrong word. Is it just ignorance and stupidity on her part? Or is there an agenda here that she let slip? You believe the White House cover-up? It's unbelievable. In my estimation, the answer should be no. We shouldn't believe it. 9.55, we'll be back. You and I have a rendezvous with destiny. We'll preserve for our children this, the last best hope of man on earth, or we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness.
Welcome to Always Right Radio with Bob Frantz on AM 1420. The answer. Hour number two, now underway at 10 minutes past 10 o'clock. It is a Monday, the 17th morning of the seventh month of the year of our Lord 2023. Appreciate you being here. Appreciate Congressman Jim Jordan who joined us last half hour. A lot of very important stuff there. If you missed it, catch it on the podcast. Just go to whkradio.com and uh, it'll be up around an hour or so after the uh, program ends, around 1 o'clock. So check back for it later this afternoon if you missed it. Want to talk about the other side of the um, United States Congress, the Senate side. Um, there's a guy who's been representing Ohio, and I use that term loosely, representing, uh, for far too long. It's long past due to remove Sherrod Brown from his cozy seat in the United States Senate where he votes to support virtually every radical idea that Barack Obama ever had. Joe Biden has roughly 97, 98% of the time. Uh, we've been looking for an opportunity to replace him, and maybe that opportunity is right now. So far, entered in the Senate race to replace Sherrod Brown is uh, State Senator Matt Dolan, and uh, businessman Bernie Moreno, who was a primary candidate in the Senate race to uh, uh, replace the outgoing Rob Portman. Uh, he dropped out of that race, but he is in this one. And now those two individuals are being joined by a third. At least that's what I'm expecting to hear, especially since I read it on his Twitter page three hours ago. Let's welcome Ohio Secretary of State Frank LaRose to the program to make an official announcement for us. Mr. Secretary, good to have you. How are you? Well, hey, I'm doing good, Bob, and you're right. Uh this is something that has been a problem for too long. Sherrod Brown has been misrepresenting Ohio. He's been in office for 48 years. That's four years longer than I've been alive. He's cultivated this phony persona where somehow people have started to believe that he's a moderate. He's anything but that. He's a far-left liberal Democrat, and he needs to go. So it's my honor to announce right here on the Bob Branch Show that I'm running for the United States Senate. And um, I think like a lot of people, I've just gotten real concerned about the way this country's going. I'm no alarmist, but uh, things are heading in a dangerous direction in this country, and um, and it's time that we do something about it. I can't sit by while the woke left starts to deconstruct this country that we believe in and that we love, and uh, and that's what's at stake here, uh, and so uh, that's why I'm announcing my candidacy today, so we can defeat Sherrod Brown and put our country back on track. Yeah, I've been trying to pry this out of you for the last couple of times that I've had you on to talk about various elections issues. And you said, you know, there may be something coming later this summer. So here we are. Congratulations to you. What um, what tipped you over the edge to running versus not? Obviously, it's a very, very expensive thing to do to run a campaign for Senate, uh, you know, it, especially when you're trying to continue your current job as Secretary of State. Um, you know, a lot of people have that, that itch to run, and then they decide against it at the end. What put you over the top? Well, you're right. It is expensive. I'm the only person in the race who's not a millionaire. Uh, so I make sure to, to figure out how we raise the money and I've been working on that. Uh, I think Ohioans want somebody that understands their struggle and lives the way they do, though. And, and that's part of it. I've been praying about it a lot and thinking about it a lot. Uh, you know, it's the old saying that the, 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 the battle is won or lost before the first engagement. That's what we used to say in the military. And so making sure that I've put the pieces in place to make sure that this is a successful race has been my focus. But it comes down to the issues. I'm the only uh, parent of school-aged children in this race. I'm a father with three young girls, and I refuse to co-parent with the government. I'm seeing uh, people trying to cut parents out of the choices uh, about their, their children, and not only their, their, their education, but all other aspects of their life. And, uh, Lauren and I want to make sure that our children are raised with our values. It's about 
the chaos on the U.S.-Mexican border. I, I've served down there. I mean, a lot of people do their field trip, their photo op. They take their tough guy photo in front of the border. I actually served there as part of a counter-narcotics task force. I saw firsthand the drugs and the crime pouring into our country. It's gotten worse. We need to fix that. That's what I'll do in the U.S. Senate. And finally, it's about the economy. The Biden and Brown team think that you fix massive inflation by spending trillions of dollars that we can't afford that's borrowed from China. And they think that you fix inflation by hiring 70,000 new IRS agents. I, for one, know that it's the free market economy that is the engine of human prosperity. And we can unleash that like never before when we cut taxes and streamline regulations so that Ohioans can earn more money. Those are the things I'm going to fight for in the U.S. Senate. And that's why I'm getting in the race. I want to talk about some of those in, uh, issues individually, Senator, uh, Mr. Secretary. Um, I almost called you Senator. That would be a big quick promotion <laughs> from announcement to uh, victory. Um, but we'll do Only that in a moment. three hours. Thanks, <laughs> We'll do that in a moment. Um, but first, some of your critics and some opponents, particularly of issue one, have said that, uh, you know, you should not be issuing an opinion or offering an opinion on which way to vote since you're running the election. And as Secretary of State, you have enough duties here to make sure that we are running elections right, that you shouldn't be uh, pursuing this higher office right now. Can you address both of those issues? Are you, I mean, why is it okay in your mind for you to be uh, posting tweets uh, in support of issue one and so forth when you are obvi- obviously a secretary, secretary of state responsible for running that special election? Yeah, yeah. The, 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 the left is grasping here. It, it's an absolute foolish idea. Every secretary of state in the history of this office has been an elected uh, political candidate, somebody that comes from one of the two parties. And, and, and so, uh, of course, I have my beliefs. And listen, this one is too important to stay out of the fight. If we don't wrap behind issue one and pass is in line for all kinds of chaos over many decades to come, the left knows that they cannot enact their radical agenda in our state legislature. And so they're trying to do policymaking via constitutional amendment. And the reason why they're having a full-fledged freakout about this is because they know that we're about to cut them off at the pass. They know that maybe they'll be able to convince 51 or 52 percent of Ohioans to agree with their ideas, but they would never get 60 percent to agree with their radical left agenda. And by the way, that kind of supermajority is what should be in place for a constitutional amendment. Day-to-day policymaking, law changes, that can happen with a simple majority. That's fine. And that'll continue to happen after issue one passes. But you should never be able to change our state's founding documents unless you Build a broad consensus of Ohioans, and that's what 60% would require. And that's why a yes vote on issue one is important, not just for pro-lifers like me, but for anybody that cares about the Second Amendment, for folks that care about business. That's why the Chamber of Commerce is behind this, care about agriculture. We know that one of the plans the left has is to try to restrict livestock agriculture in Ohio with a a radical California-style proposal. And so we need to defeat that. I mean, there's a lot at stake here, and I couldn't sit silently uh, with something like this, and stepping up and leading is what we expect leaders to do. I um I agree with every word you just said about issue one. Um, people, when I express many of the same things you just expressed online or 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 on the air, opponents hit me with it was good enough for our Ohio founders 112 years ago to say 50 percent plus one simple majority. Why must it change now? How do you answer them? Well, first of all, the founders of our country recognized the danger of allowing your constitution to be changed with a simple majority, and so they put in a 75% threshold. So to pass a U.S. constitutional amendment takes 75% of the states. 
even some of these hypocrites like the Ohio Democratic Party, for their own party's bylaws, require a 60% change. For the AFL-CIO to change the rules of their union, you've got to have over 60%. The League of Women Voters, 66%. Folks like the Teachers Union, over 60%. Most people realize that you would never want your founding document to change with a simple majority vote. The fact is, 111 years ago, when uh, it wasn't the founders of our state, but it was the people at the turn of the last century that put this in place, they were responding to some issues of the day, and I think that they just miscalibrated a little bit. They created the ability for citizens to propose constitutional amendments. We're one of only 17 states that has that. That's still alive and well after issue one passed. You'll still have the ability to propose a citizen-initiated constitutional amendment, but we're finally going to get the threshold right by setting it at 60%, because again, you don't want a bare, simple majority to change the very rules. Imagine if the U.S. Constitution changed on a, on a yearly basis, what chaos that would unleash. That's exactly what the left has planned for Ohio with our state constitution, and we need to cut them off at the pass by voting yes on issue one. We're talking with Ohio's Secretary of State, Frank LaRose, about why he supports Issue 1, and also talking about his announcement made this morning on Twitter and official, officially confirmed here on this broadcast moments ago. He is a candidate for the United States Senate. Your opponents, uh, you mentioned you're the only one who is not a millionaire, or maybe a billionaire, uh, but Matt Dolan and uh, Bernie Moreno got into this a lot earlier. Um, how do you size yourself up? What are the more distinguishing, outside of wealth, distinguishing characteristics between you and your opponents? Well, first of all, this is kind of astonishing astonishing to me, but I'm running in a Republican primary against two guys that are former Democrats. So I'm the only one in the race who's been a lifelong Republican. That's one thing. I'm the only battle-tested conservative. I'm the only one with a 100% pro-life voting record. I'm the only one with a 100% pro-Second Amendment voting record. And unlike the other candidates in the race, I'm the only one who has voted to cut taxes instead of raising them. And that's a big distinguishing factor when we're thinking about the challenges at the federal level where we need to cut taxes and, uh, and, and put our country back on, uh, on track. We've got a spending problem in Washington. I, I think the other thing is I'm both a father of three young girls, but I'm also a fighter. And uh, as a father, I know I'm the only candidate with school-age children. I know exactly what we're facing right now with the woke agenda in our schools and how we need to combat it. But as a fighter, you know, I'll be the first Green Beret in the United States Senate. That, that, that's historic. And I think that special operations experience will be valuable when we consider how dangerous the world is becoming. We need to stand up to China. We need to make sure that America has a leading role, but in a smart way. We're not solving other people's problems for them, but we also can't isolate ourselves and just pretend that the rest of the world is going to go away. We need to have smart, strategic American leadership that advances strategic national interests, and it includes, again, combating the uh, the rise of, of China and making sure that we're ready to defend our, our, our national sovereignty. I want to talk a little bit about the rise of the culture wars. You mentioned um, at the very beginning your first response about how important it is to be able to, you and your wife, to raise your kids with your values and not with some of the radical values that are expressed in, in, in schools in Ohio now, whether it be CRT or whether it be uh, DEI or any of these kinds of things. Um, Tell me what your stance is on things like diversity, inclusion, and equity. And, and I'll give you that question with this, uh, uh, this as a backdrop. One of the opponents, not one of the named opponents in this race, but an opponent of yours who does not support you for Senate, sent this to me two months ago. I think it might have been after our last conversation. And said, Frank LaRose is no conservative. 
Um, he co-sponsored LGBTQ legislation with a card-carrying member of the Human Rights Campaign, and he was endorsed by an LGBTQ group uh, as identified as a statewide candidate to vote for because you're LGBTQ friendly. Um, I'm just going to get out of the way and let you respond to that. How do you, how do you square that with the, hey, we don't want that kind of thing being uh, forced into our kids' heads, indoctrination in Ohio schools? Yeah, so let me tell you about what I worked on. I, as a conservative, believe in meritocracy. I believe people should be hired or fired based on how well they, they do their job. And, and I think that's a value that, that most of us share. We want somebody that's good at their job, that you know, that, that, that uh, does the job that they're paid to do. And um, I supported a bill that said you, you shouldn't fire people for being gay. And that, to me, seemed like a, a pretty common sense thing. But I'll tell you what else I did. I worked with groups like uh, Ohio Christian Alliance, UTV and others, and not that they were supporters of the bill, but I worked with them to craft a religious exemption that was put in there to make sure that no faith-based group would ever be forced to live by those standards. And so this is me being the common sense you know, problem solver that I guess I am. Uh, because I put that religious exemption in there, the leftist groups hated it, uh, and so the thing never went anywhere. But I thought it was a common sense way to approach it. But listen, here's the problem, is that with the left, it's never enough. It's not good enough to simply protect people from being fired. They won't take it to the extreme level of this this woke gender ideology nonsense that they're trying to uh, foist on our children. They want to they want to allow children to have a, a gender reassignment surgery without parental involvement. That's the crazy kind of stuff that we need to be fighting against. And when it comes to the so-called DEI agenda, really what this is is a, uh, a thinly veiled effort to really remake the fabric of our nation. We're a, we're a big country with all different colors and all different ways of life, and that's a part of our strength. That's a fine thing. But what this liberal agenda seeks to do is divide people into categories and say these people here are oppressed because of their skin color, and these people over here are oppressors because of their skin color. Really, things like uh, the, the, the uh, you know, this... Uh, this idea of, of, of kind of uh, a uh, really the, the idea is that we can solve racism by being more racist. I mean, that, that's what uh, at the heart of critical race theory, for example, they believe in segregating college campuses. They, literally, the people in charge of the, the critical race theory uh, believe that, that if you put black students and white students in the same dorms, that they will uh, oppress one another or something. It, it's, it's divisive. It's ugly. And it's not consistent with American values. So listen, I am an unapologetic crusader fighter against DEI, uh, critical race theory, those kind of uh, really dangerous ideologies. But yes, at the same time, I don't think you should fire somebody for being gay. Uh, just don't force your lifestyle on, on me or my family. We're talking to Ohio Secretary of State Frank LaRose. He has announced his candidacy for the United States Senate. We'll wrap with this one for now. You and I will have many other conversations, and I intend to do so with the other candidates, too. But we'll wrap with this one for now. If you were to be successful in this Republican primary, and it's you and Sherrod Brown squaring off in a debate, I'm going to throw that. I know this. you don't have any prep for this. What's the first thing you say to Sherrod Brown on, a, on an opening statement on a debate stage? Senator Brown. For 48 misrepresenting Ohio, you have been fighting for East and West Coast liberal values instead of what matters for Ohioans. You've fooled people into believing that you're a fighter for the working man, but in reality, you're doing the bidding of the fringe left of your own party. And that's why, that's why 
working class union families. That's why people that have to take a shower after work instead of before work, people that really work for a living, they're coming over to support me in this race because they know what's at stake here and they know we need to put our country back on track. And that's exactly what I'm going to do when I serve in the United States Senate. That sounds like a great place to start. He's been a a decorated Iraq War veteran. He has been a state senator. He's now the Secretary of State. He wants to be U.S. Senator from Ohio, Frank LaRose. I really appreciate you making that announcement this morning. I appreciate you confirming it here live on the air. I wish you the very best. We will obviously talk again uh, as this race moves on. Thank you so much this morning, sir. Thank you, Bob. Stay in touch. You got it. Will do. That's Frank LaRose. He's the Secretary of State. He, By the way, I was so glad he spent a good deal of time when I brought it up, uh, advocating for Issue 1, voting yes on Issue 1 on August 8th. He is the Secretary of State. He's running the special election. He is also supporting a passage of that issue on August 8th. That's a big deal. Uh, we'll take a time out now. We've got a bottom-of-the-hour break coming up. Uh, we're guest-free after that. What do you think of the race now between LaRose, Marino, and uh, Matt Dolan? Do you have thoughts on that? And uh, if you'd like to get into any of the issues that we discussed with Jim Jordan in the first hour, we'll take your calls on that, too. 216-901-0945. Right back on Always Right Radio. Radio with Bob Franz on The Answer. 1036. Good Monday morning to you. <clears throat> so, um, Kamala Harris, obviously well known for her uh, stupidity, lack of brains, lack of ability to communicate, unlikability, ignorance, I, a lot of things. She's known perhaps best for being just one of the most horrific public speakers in the history of American politics. She just, she either sounds like an idiot or she thinks that you are an idiot. She thinks that every, literally every audience to which she speaks is full of idiots. I don't know why. I wish I could figure out how and why she talks to every group like they're a group of first graders, but she does. I'll give you two examples of that more recent. This is from just in the last week or so, and then we'll get to the core of the reason why I'm talking about this today. The first one is Kamala Harris reminding you of how cars work and how trains work and how planes work and, you know, transportation, right? And I again want to thank the Secretary for your work. Uh, This issue of transportation is fundamentally about just making sure that people have the ability to get where they need to go. Wow. Now, those are some deep thoughts from Kamala Harris. Mr. Secretary of Transportation, thank you for your work. You know, the issue of transportation is about making sure that people have the ability to get where they need to go. That's just, that's just deep. <laughs> Critical thinking at its finest. You, you gotta love that. You gotta, you gotta respect that. 
That's Kamala Harris. Just just breaking it down, boy, like nobody else can. And, of course, it was followed by the requisite giggle and nodding of the head, as if, you get where I'm coming from, you get it, don't you? That, that Kamala Harris. Well, that one was followed by this extraordinary display of intellectual capacity as she tries to tell us all about uh, artificial intelligence. And I think the first part of this issue that should be articulated is AI is kind of a fancy thing. It's, first of all, it's two letters. Wait, what? Holy cow. I didn't get that. Did you get that? Did you know that? Did you know that AI, first of all, is two letters? <laughs> I didn't count. I, I, I totally had lost track. I did not know how many letters were in AI. Thank you for that, Madam Vice President. And I think the first part of this issue that should be articulated is AI is kind of a fancy thing. It's, first of all, it's two letters. It means artificial intelligence. What? Wait, what? She's just bringing the thunder with her, isn't she? She has just got the knowledge dropping on us out of the sky like rain. First, did you know AI was two letters? She counted. And this was fact-checked and approved by the social media censors. Fact. AI is two letters. Also fact-checked and approved. AI stands for artificial intelligence. She has, she's, she's beyond our capacity, honestly. She's dancing circles around us intellectually. Nobody else can figure this stuff out quite like Kamala. But ultimately what it is, is it's about machine learning. And so the machine is taught. And part of the issue here is what information is going into the machine that will then determine, and, and we can predict then, if we think about what, machine, what information is going in, what then will be produced in terms of decisions and opinions um, that may be made through that process. <laughs> just, you know, you think that you've got a beat on things. You think you've got a pretty good handle. You've got some knowledge. You've got some ability to understand and interpret. And then you run into somebody commonly who just reminds you of exactly how stupid you really are. I mean, you know, we cannot keep up with her. I mean, it's like a combination of Einstein and Oppenheimer and, and the great Plato, Socrates, and the great thinkers of human history. I, 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 got, I got some Ukraine vibes when I heard that part of this. Did it you? Is, is it's about machine learning. And so the machine is taught. And part of the issue here is what information is going into the machine. Didn't that give you a little bit of the Ukraine vibes? So Ukraine is a country in Europe. It exists next to another country called Russia. Russia is a bigger country. Russia is a powerful country. Russia decided to invade a smaller country called Ukraine. So basically that's wrong. I'm just telling you, nobody breaks it down quite like Kamala. Maybe uh, when I said at the beginning was, you know, was right, and I said she talks to every audience like they're first graders, but maybe that's because that's she has to. Because there's no way the rest of us could keep up with her intellectually unless she dumbed it down like we were first graders. Compared to her, I guess we are. 
Which brings us to the reason I'm bringing this up today. At a climate change conference, it's an event to address the Environmental Protection Agency's $20 billion investment program across two grant competitions and Biden's Greenhouse Gas Reduction Fund, which aims to spark clean energy investments around the country. Kamala Harris, in giving her remarks, said this. When we invest in clean energy and electric vehicles and reduce population, more of our children can breathe clean air. Did you, uh, did you catch it? Did you hear what she said? When we invest in clean energy and... That part's okay. Electric vehicles. Okay, so far you like electric vehicles. And reduce population. What? Wait, what? And reduce population. Wait, one more time? Vehicles and reduce population. When we invest in clean energy and electric vehicles and reduce population, more of our children can breathe clean air and drink clean water. Well, you mean the survivors. The ones that are allowed to survive... You're purging of the population. If you didn't understand that this is finally the climate agenda saying the quiet part out loud, then you've got to pay closer attention. Depopulation has been a goal of the extremists in the climate change movement for a very long time. Depopulation, population reduction. Many people and, and many organizations who study this have pointed that out, that these nut jobs have made it clear they value the planet more than the people that the planet is sustaining. They would rather trees and animals and streams and whatever flourish at the expense of human life. They literally believe that human beings are secondary to the overall planet. And when she said, when we invest in clean energy and electric vehicles and reduce population, the cat was out of the bag. Now, as you can imagine, the White House went into immediate cleanup on aisle Kamala and went into protect mode. No, 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 no. She didn't mean to reduce population. She meant reduce pollution it was right there on the on the teleprompter she just misread the word pollution and read it as population see that that's what it was the white house said she just meant to say pollution okay let's play that game for a moment shall we let's suppose for a second that the teleprompter did say pollution and not population and kamala did what she did It means that one of two things was happening here. Either, number one, Kamala Harris cannot read or has not, at the very least, read that teleprompter speech she was giving before to know that when she said population, oops, I misspoke, pollution. So either she's too daft, dense, thick-headed, stupid, 
to be able to comprehend what she's reading, or she knew exactly what she said, and she didn't go back and correct it for a reason, because it's what she actually meant. That the goal of the, the extreme climate change agenda is to depopulate the earth, to reduce population significantly in support of the earth rather than the people who are inhabiting it. Either way, we have a problem. Now, as I sit here and extol the virtues of Kamala Harris's intelligence, I'm going to assume that it's choice number two, or B, rather than one, or A. I don't think she's just so stupid she can't read. I don't think she's just so stupid that she you know, can't understand a speech that she you know, uh, didn't pre-read. I think it's much more likely to be the second. How do I think that? Why do I think that? Well, let's ponder for a moment. Three very big developments in the last couple of years since she has been vice president. Since Joe Biden took over as president of the United States. One of those developments is the pandemic, the global pandemic, the expansive, death-dealing Chinese coronavirus created in a Wuhan, China laboratory, the Wuhan Laboratory of Virology, created and released upon the world from there, either intentionally or accidentally, wink, wink, which killed millions worldwide. Millions. Maybe hundreds of millions, depending on who you ask. In response to that global pandemic, creating something called a a vaccine that's not really a vaccine, an experimental RNA technology which delivers to the cells spike proteins that can have all kinds of long-lasting effects and some very, very quick reaction effects, including sudden death, including blood clots that lead to death, including strokes that lead to death, including heart attacks which lead to death. Numerous events, adverse events, the result of these darts, these poison darts that they wanted to jam multiple times, not just one but two to start, then booster, then booster, then booster again. Multiple poison darts in the arms of virtually everybody in the world. That was what the goal was. Remember when we first got our access to the quote-unquote vaccines? The screaming began, we don't have enough for people in third world countries. we got to make sure we send some to them too. Getting these darts into the arms of as many people as possible. Knowing. Knowing that the adverse events could lead to death. And knowing as 2020 went along and 2021 went along and 2022 went along, knowing that they were leading to death. So that's two And then what was the third large event of the last couple of years since the Biden administration came in? The shift in policy from safe, legal, and rare to any time, for any reason, without apology, at any point in gestation, shout your abortions. 
Shout them, be proud of them. Abortion is love. So you tell me what she meant. Did Kamala Harris mean to say uh, population, or did she mean to say pollution? Because what I see is between COVID, man-made, built in a lab with gain-of-function research released on the world, then the shots released on the world, then the abortion on demand, what I see is a policy that says, let's start killing off the existing population and making sure the next population is not born. That, that it's prevented from being born. The replacement humans must be nipped in the bud, otherwise known as killed in utero. I, I'm not making it up. I didn't say it. She said it. Don't look at me. When we invest in clean energy and electric vehicles and reduce population, more of our children can breathe clean air and drink clean water. The survivors, yeah. The survivors, the few that are allowed to live and the few that are allowed to be born. All I know is Kamala Harris tosses a great word salad. We have seen it many, many times. So to that end, we are announcing today also that we will assist Jamaica in COVID recovery um, by assisting in terms of the recovery efforts in Jamaica. That She can toss a salad like the best of them. I'll tell you what, nobody does word salads like Kamala Harris, but I don't think this was one of them. I think if you look at recent world events and recent national events, she said the quiet part out loud. She's speaking to a climate green, uh, climate agenda uh, organization. She's speaking to an audience filled with people who think plants and animals have more value than human beings. And she said it out loud. And electric vehicles and reduce population. Vehicles and reduce population. And reduce population. And reduce population. And reduce population. Again and again and again. 216-901-0945, It's that serious. We'll be back. Ten fifty six. Bringing hour number two to a close rapidly. We are guest-free in hour number three, so if you want to dial, do it now, 216-901-0945 or 888-281-1110. Pat is calling us from Independence. Pat, good morning. Thanks for waiting. Go right ahead. Yeah. Um, I just want to point out, um, sadly, I think issue one is going to fail. And the reason why I say that is I got this, I've been having this big debate with my wife and all that. And I see all these ads on TV, even on YouTube and other places, to vote no because it's going to take away your vote and it's going to, you know, end, you know, one person, one vote and all this other garbage. I only saw one ad. Actually, my wife had to call me in to see it, you know, for the the measure. And they were talking about trans kids. Now, I understand November is that's going to be an issue but today it's the constitution so we're being bombarded with all this stuff i even did a a google search for it and the only thing google ever came up with is reasons to vote no for it so we're getting inundated 
Yeah, let, let me let me respond to a couple of those points. Uh, first of all, you're right that they do have a ton of vote no ads because they have a ton of money, bottomless pits of money, with which to create no ads and to create misinformation and confusion among the voters by telling them that voting yes on the uh, on issue number one is what really kills the Constitution. It's literally the exact opposite, but this is what they've done. So they do have a lot of money. Uh, you're also right about the uh, ads which just started. You will start to see a lot more of the ads in favor of it. They don't have nearly as much money as the out-of-state special interests do that are trying to kill issue one, but they do have some. And and to your point about you know the the one that is running by uh, Protect Women Ohio uh, is talking about trans kids and abortion, and not the Constitution. You're right. That is the November issue, but they are linked. Um, the reason why it is so important to pass this now in August is so that that radical, those radical amendments to the Constitution don't get passed in November. So that's kind of why they're doing it. They're trying to tell everybody if we don't do this now and pass this protection of our Constitution by voting yes, that's the crap that's happening in November. We can't wait till November to fix it. We got to try to take some preemptive steps now. And then the third part, uh, oh, I may have lost my lost my track of myself. What was the third point you made? The very last point. Um. Oh, like look, I think it was the Google. I did. A Google oh yeah, Google. Yeah, it. well, there. Yeah, and you know that's just the nature of the beast. Google is left wing. Google is not going to give you a fair look at anything. You're right. You Google issue one. Uh, if you use issue one and put that in the, as a search term on Google, you will get nothing but negative, anti, 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 anti. That's why I stopped using Google a long time ago. Google is left wing, pro LGBT, pro uh, all uh, you know Marxism and everything else that uh, the, the individuals who who are opposing issue one are all about. So what I would suggest you do is stay away from the Google search engine. Thank you for the call, my friend. Stay away from the Google search engine. Find a different one. Use DuckDuckGo uh, if you want. Use um, Brave, the Brave browser. You can search in that. There are a lot of uh, places that you can find the correct information, or at least both sides of the information on issue one. All right, I've got a lot more time to talk about that and more coming up in Hour 3. Stay here on Always Right Radio. This hour of Always Right Radio is brought to you by The Floor King and KeepingMedicareSimple.com. You and I know and do not believe that life is so dear and peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery. If nothing in life is worth dying for, when did this begin? Just in the face of this enemy? Or should Moses have told the children of Israel to live in slavery under the pharaohs? Should Christ have refused the cross? Should the patriots at Concord Bridge have thrown down their guns and refused to fire the shot heard round the world? The martyrs of history were not fools. And our honored dead, who gave their lives to stop the advance of the Nazis, didn't die in vain. Where then is the road to peace? Well, it's a simple answer after all. You and I have the courage to say to our enemies, there is a price we will not pay. There is a point beyond which they must not advance. is Always Right Radio with Bob Frantz on AM 1420, The Answer. Oh, yes, indeed. Hour number three now, 11 minutes past 11 o'clock. It's a Monday, the 17th morning of the seventh month in the year of our Lord, 2023. Great conversations this morning with Congressman Jim Jordan in hour number one. And Frank LaRose made his official media announcement live on this broadcast of his campaign for the United States Senate. He joins a 
very small GOP primary field in this race to challenge Sherrod Brown, the incumbent. Matt Dolan made his announcement very, very early. It was followed by Bernie Moreno a while back, and now uh, Frank LaRose has officially joined the fray. He, uh, this was expected for quite some time. Um, I talked to him about it back in, I want to say, March, and then again in May, and he said it won't be until the summer that he makes up his mind, but he didn't dismiss it, so you kind of knew it was coming. And indeed, it was made official today right here on this program. He tweeted it out a few hours before, then came on live and told us exactly why. Uh, he's got a good message. He's also got <clears throat> something that I think is very, very important in this race, and Bernie Marino is going to have to contend with this. Matt Dolan a little bit less so, because Matt Dolan is already a state senator, and everybody knows the Dolans, so he has that name recognition by by almost default. But Frank LaRose has name recognition that Bernie Moreno doesn't have. That doesn't mean he can't get it. It's just that he's won a statewide election. He's the Secretary of State. People know him in Northeast Ohio. They know him in Central Ohio. They know him in, uh, in, in, in Southeast Ohio. They know him in Northwest Ohio. Uh, Frank LaRose is a known quantity. Um, again, he's been a state senator. He's now the Secretary of State, and that may be something that is um, a deal, a difference maker, I guess I should say, in this race. I welcome your thoughts on that. I'm not endorsing anybody in this race. I like Bernie Moreno a lot. I like a lot of things about Frank, uh, Frank LaRose. I don't like Matt Dolan. I don't believe Matt Dolan is the right man for this job. I think he's a rhino, versus, virtually a trans-Democrat. Um, but I'll tell you what, Bernie Moreno has got an uphill fight because Frank LaRose is a known quantity. He's won elections statewide. He's had that appeal. Bernie hasn't done that. He only ran for Senate against Rob Portman for a little while in the primary, decided to drop out when he knew he couldn't win it, and pledged to endorse whomever Donald Trump endorsed. Donald Trump ended up endorsing J.D. Vance. Uh, Bernie Moreno went ahead and did the same thing, and, and here we are. J.D. Vance is doing a great job, by the way, so far. Very, very happy with that. So uh, Bernie's going to have to expand his name recognition and his ID and get out there in some of the other corners of Ohio that don't know him as well as they may know Frank LaRose. So I'm welcome, I welcome your thoughts. 216-901-0945-888-281-1110. I want to respond <clears throat> before I go to calls to the last caller who brought up uh, in the last hour who brought up the ad that he has seen, the only ad that he has seen uh, on TV that is so far that is for issue one, vote yes for issue one. There's a ton of ads out there because they have a ton of money from special interest groups like Planned Parenthood and the rest of the baby butchering factories, the Democrat Socialists of America, the um, uh, Communist Party USA, the American Federation of Teachers. Isn't that quite an interesting group to combine there? Um so they've got a ton of money to spend, and they've got a lot of people out there promoting their no on issue one campaign. I believe that the true grassroots effort belongs to us on the vote yes on issue one side. And um, anyway, Protect Women Ohio just released their first ad. It's a $2 million ad buy, so they are starting to get some funds to spend on this as well. Remember, you can vote now, but the official election day is August 8th. And this is the ad that they ran. Again, I can only give you the audio portion of it as we are doing radio. Uh, and there are some images here of, you know, quite frankly, young, innocent children who deserve to be protected that are a part of this ad. Um, if you want to follow me on Twitter, you can see it in addition to hear it. 
Um, so that'll be on Twitter. It's France Rants, F R A N T Z R A N T Z, or just look for Bob France. Either way, this is the 30 second ad that is running on TV and on social media now. You promised you'd keep the bad guys away, protect her. Now's your chance. Out of state special interests that put trans ideology in classrooms and encourage sex changes for kids are hiding behind slick ads. Don't be fooled. You can keep this madness out of Ohio classrooms and protect your rights as a parent by voting yes on August 8th. Keep your promise to her. Vote yes on August 8th. Keep your promise to her. Vote yes on August 8th. So I just had a previous caller saying, you know, this is more about the November issue than it is the Constitution in August, right? And, you know, the answer is yes, but no. They're linked. Voting yes on August 8th will give us a much better chance of stopping the radical extremist purchase of an amendment. And that's what these special interest groups will do, buying an amendment to the Ohio Constitution. This is being advanced by groups across the country, left-wing groups, that partner with Black Lives Matter, uh, they partner with, as I mentioned, uh, the socialists, they partner with the communists, they partner with uh, the ACLU, they partner with all of the left-wing organizations, and unions. They've bought union support as well. So they partner with all of them, and they're going to they're gonna have a very, very strong, uh, strongly financed case in November. And so one of the things we need to do is make it harder for them to buy, with that, that strong financing, to buy an amendment to the Constitution to legalize abortion at any moment for any reason, no matter what the age of the girl is. Parents have no say. And the same thing with transing. Young, confused kids are indoctrinated by counselors or teachers or online influencers, say they want to change their sex. Well, as it stands, as it should be, as it always has been, a minor can't do anything like that without their parents. But if this thing gets through in November, a minor would have the rights to do anything they wanted. The parents couldn't do squat. You understand that? That's why we have to make it harder to pass in November by voting yes on August 8th. So this is a connection. There is a connection. Now, I want to play one more for you before I go to the calls. And this is, uh, this is an ad that just came out on Friday. It was produced by the Lorraine County... Young Republicans. And I got to tell you, I was very, very impressed by this. They don't have a lot of money. They got some donations, but they put together a very well-produced ad that, again, is great with visuals, but I only have radio here, so here's the audio. In the heartland of America, where democracy flourishes, change is on the horizon. It's time to bring Ohio's Constitution closer to the principles that our great nation was built upon. Introducing Issue 1, also known as the Protect Our Constitution Amendment. The passage of Issue 1 is a crucial step towards safeguarding the voice of the people and reinforcing our state's commitment to a balanced democracy. Our state deserves a Constitution that reflects the will of the majority, while respecting the rights and perspectives of all Ohioans. That's why we propose a simple yet powerful change. With this amendment, we will raise the bar for constitutional amendments, ensuring that any changes are supported by a broad consensus, 60% of the popular vote. This amendment protects against rash decisions driven by short-term trends and special interest groups. It ensures that amendments truly represent the collective will of the people. By aligning Ohio's constitution with the principles of our nation, we foster harmony between state and federal laws, 
promoting consistency and adherence to our shared value. I believe in democracy, but we also need stability and unity. Requiring 60% of the popular vote for amendments strikes a fair balance. Requiring a 60% majority protects against constitutional amendments driven solely by the passions of the moment. It ensures that our amendment stands the test of time. Imagine a future where our Constitution remains a steady foundation, unswayed by fleeting opinions, and truly representative of the diverse population we are. Ohio deserves a Constitution that stands tall, echoing the spirit of our forefathers. Join us in supporting Issue 1. Vote yes on August 8th, and together we will bring Ohio closer to the principles that define our great nation. Together, we will protect our Constitution. Paid for by Lorraine County Young Republicans. And there it is. It's about protecting our Constitution. That was a phenomenal video. You should see the entire thing. And again, we'll give them some applause. Again, that's on my Twitter page, and it's also on my Facebook page. Just look for Bob France on either one of those, and you can find it and view it. And most importantly, most importantly, share it. Share it on your own social media. Make sure that we spread the word. Uh, Let's go to... um, Marty calling us from Kent. Hi, Marty. You're on AM 1420, The Answer. Fire away. Good morning. Thank you for taking my call. My pleasure. Um, a movie, I believe, from 2014 called The Kingsman, starring Samuel L. Jackson. One of his lines in the movie is the premise for the entire evil entity that the Kingsmen are battling against. And he comes out and says, global warming is just like the human running a fever trying to fight an infection. Mother Earth is warming the planet trying to fight off the infection of the humans. Their goal was to actually reduce the population. He comes right out and says it in the movie. And that's been going on since 2014. They've you know had the movie out. So, yeah, and, and of course, that idea has been going on since long before that. But that's a decades. great. That's a yeah, decades. Oh, decades, no question. Oh um, yeah, that's a great. That's a great um, message, though. Uh, you know, from from this is you know art imitating life or life imitating art, depending on how you look at it. But that is very well said. And he came right out right out and said it. And so did Kamala Harris. And they can say, yeah. oh, she misspoke. She meant to say pollution. But what person meaning to say pollution? says population and doesn't catch it and say, oh, I'm sorry, that's not what I meant. I meant to say pollution. I misread this. What person just rolls with that unless they're very, very comfortable with that? That's it was intentional. Yeah. It was intentional. Yeah, no I doubt. completely concur. All right, thank you, my friend. I appreciate it. If you don't know what he's talking about, by the way, we had the story uh, last hour. Kamala Harris um, said the quiet part out loud, if you will, and that is depopulation is part of their goal. When we invest in clean energy and electric vehicles and reduce population, more of our children can breathe clean air. The ones that survive can, yeah. The ones that are allowed to be born as you reduce population. By preventing the birth of the next wave of of climate-destroying humans through radical extremist abortion measures and through what you've already started, releasing... Uh, a, a deadly virus upon the world from a lab in China, killing hundreds of millions, and then releasing the antidote, supposedly, which is the mRNA shots that killed millions of humans. 
and infected many of them with heart disease now and blood clotting and strokes and all kinds of other things that have happened. Adverse events that are very, very well known. Yes, depopulation is what she said, and I believe depopulation is what she meant. Reduce population. Yeah, reduce population. That's the goal. Scott is in, uh, oh, Scott from the Riverside Board of Education. Hey, Scott, welcome back to the program. How are you? Hey, Bob Francis, doing great. How are you? Great, great job this morning, and vote yes on issue one, right? Yes, sir, absolutely. <laughs> so we're having the vote yes on issue one summit at the Croatian Lodge next Monday, the 24th at 7 p.m. Our Ohio treasurer, Robert Sprague, is going to be the keynote speaker. It is free. We'll have strudel, coffee, soft drinks, water, and again, 7 p.m. next Monday night. And it has to be grassroots, Bob. That's the only way we're going to win this thing. You're right. And you know what? I think that's the best way to win it, to be honest with you. Conversation, voice to ear, you know, mouth to ear. People need to uh, be telling everybody about this in whatever way that they can because we just don't have the massive resources that the other side has from these out-of-state billionaires and organizations that literally have billions of dollars, you know, collectively over the long term uh, on the line if we defeat this because, the, you know, the heartbeat law is going to stand uh, and, and uh, you know, radical abortion on demand is going to cost them billions. Uh, and I, I don't use that number lightly, but I think Planned Parenthood through the course of time and the other organizations like that are, are literally invested in it to that, uh, you know, to those kind of dollar amounts. You know, and just how this country was formed, you know, people talked with each other and the words spread like wildfire. And that's what we have to do now. We have to reconnect as people. You know, we've been separated by technology. People's phones are in their faces every day, and we need to get away from that and start talking with each other again. Totally agree. Totally agree. Scott, I'm going to keep promoting the event on the 24th, and and thank you for the call. And every rally or pro-issue 10 event that we have coming in the course of the next three weeks, and then, of course, literally leading up to and on Election Day on August 8th, I'll promote them all. You send me the info, and I'll promote them. So this one that he's talking about is the rally at the Croatian, Club, uh, Croatian Lodge uh, in Eastlake, and it is on uh, on the 24th at 7 p.m., July 24th, 7 p.m. It's a big deal. It's a big event, and Robert Sprague will be the keynote speaker. I hope you can make it to that one. So uh, that's a big deal. And like I said, the more of these that you have, and I've been sharing them as I get them, keep emailing them to me or calling us with the information. We'll promote them so that we can truly grassroots our way to victory in passing Issue 1, protecting the Constitution, and giving us an opportunity to save lives in November. It's 10, uh, 1126. We'll be right back. This hour of Always Right Radio is brought to you by KeepingMedicareSimple.com and The Floor King. 11.35. Appreciate you being with us. Final segment of the broadcast this morning. Good conversations with uh, Frank LaRose, Secretary of State, who has indeed announced his candidacy for the Senate while on the air with me. He also talked about uh, Issue 1 and why it's so important that we pass it. So that was good. If you missed that one, you can hear it along with the conversation I had with Jim Jordan about the FBI's corruption. All of that will be available uh, sometime after 1 o'clock. About an hour or so after 1 is when you get most of that stuff posted on the uh, podcast page. Just go to whkradio.com. 
I have a message here from David that says in Strongsville slash Hinkley, from what I've seen, vote no signs outnumber 20 to 1, the vote yes signs on issue 1. And that does not surprise me because I also know from coordination and uh, uh, conversation with some of the leaders who are obtaining them that several hundred yes on issue 1 signs have just been delivered to Strongsville. And they are going to be uh, distributed over the course of the next week, including on Wednesday, the 19th, when Peter Kersenow and Supreme Court Justice, Ohio Supreme Court Justice Joe Dieters, speak at the Strongsville GOP meeting uh, at the Harvest Saloon on uh, Harvest Moon Saloon on, uh, on on Wednesday. So there are a whole bunch of signs on the way. They just and a lot of people have said, "Where do I get them? Where do I get them? Where do I get them?" Um, I, that's that's always the tough question, but I know they're available now. And again, a huge quantity are going to be made available on Wednesday at Harvest. Then uh, there are hundreds more going to be at a couple of other Strongsville area events. So if you're looking in, I don't know, Geauga County or Medina County or in um, you know Summit County or Lake or wherever it is that you are, uh, you got to contact the local GOP there. And I will tell you this: to the extent that I have reached there, and I don't know. Let me say this to local GOP headquarters in each of those counties or areas or regions. Get it together. People are begging for signs. And then I got people like Dave messaging me and saying, I see 20 to 1. We're outnumbered. We're not outvoted. We're just outsigned because we're not, you know, our, 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 our signs have come in late, as I've been told. And some people are saying they're calling their local GOP headquarters to get their signs and they're getting, um, no answer, and when the voicemail comes on, they say the voicemail's full. So people are saying, well, how do I call? I don't know the answer to that, but I will tell you this. If you have access to any GOP leadership in any area or region, and not that this should be, by the way, a GOP Democrat issue, because it's not. This isn't like a Republican versus a Democrat you know, election. This is about protecting the Constitution, and there should be reasonable people who are not Republicans who say, yeah, we should protect the Constitution from radical changes to it with simple majority 50% plus one votes after being funded by millions and millions of dollars from people outside the state of Ohio. It shouldn't take being a Republican to do that. But be that as it may, the Democrat Party of Ohio, did I say Democrat? That was totally accidental. I apologize for that. Not because it kind of works. That was an accident, but it kind of works. The Democrat Party <laughs> has opposed officially issue one, and the Republican Party has endorsed it. So, you know, be that as it may, you don't have to be a Republican to support this. There you have it. So um, if you are trying to get a yes sign, the best place to go is to contact your Republican headquarters near you. And if you are a member of that headquarters, or if you know people who are, tell them the people are trying to reach them and they don't know how to get their hands on the signs. It shouldn't be this difficult. So I I have no doubt in my mind that Ohio voters are going to come out and pass and vote yes on issue one on August 8th. But from a sign standpoint, yeah, we're a little bit late to the party, and we need to get it done. All right. Dave is in Cleveland. Dave, you're on AM 1420, The Answer. Fire away. Yeah, hi, Bob. Um, I have a little question on that ad with the uh, little different... uh take on that ad with the uh, Lorraine County um, young, young Republicans. Young people. Yeah. Yes. You notice how they kept on using the word uh, democracy? And yes. we're not even a democracy. We were, a, you know, a republic. And that's kind of the word uh, that the Democrats always use. 
it, we don't differentiate ourselves at all. Well, we do. Uh, and I've made that point very, very clear to anybody who's, you know, talking about this and saying democracy is on the line, democracy, democracy, because that's the language that they're using. They're saying that our, that democracy is under attack if we don't allow them to change the constitution, you know, willy nilly with a 50% plus one. That's more democracy. And that's the point. We're not a democracy. We are a republic. Our country is a republic and our states are founded as republics. And that's why if you want to change a law and you don't like the abortion law in Ohio, or if you don't like the trans law for children in Ohio, go to the legislature, which is our state representatives and senators, and get them to change it. That's how a republic works. They don't want that. They want the purest form of democracy, which is let us vote on everything, uh, and uh, and a simple majority wins, which of course is you know something that our founders rejected uh, roundly uh, when they founded this country. So you're right, uh, and w- but when they say it in that ad, I think they're trying to speak to those who are worried that, quote, democracy, and remember, democracy has a role in this. We are a democratic republic. Democracy does have a role, but the role is we uh, we use our democratic process to choose our representatives to make our laws for us, and we don't like what, what they're doing. We use our democracy, that is the electoral process, to vote them out and elect new ones. So the word democracy isn't something we should you know, never use. It's just that we have to explain it the way that it is, and we are not a pure democracy in which the people vote to make the laws. But don't don't we vote democratically? But our our government's a constitutional representative republic. Correct, correct. I thought that's how I just it explained was, it. But yes, you're correct. Oh, that's exactly what we do. We, we vote democratically to or, choose our representatives, and then those representatives make up uh, make our laws for us. That's what the legislature yeah. is supposed to be for. Yeah, you almost need all three elements, or it's not the United States, right? You need the constitutional, which is the laws, the representative is the representation, and then the republic is the Senate and the Congress and that type of thing. You almost need all three to define well, you, uh, you, USA. Yeah, yeah, you do. I mean, you know, there's there's obviously a number of, of, of elements to that. Yes, you know, we, we need a democratic form of, of, of voting, which we have. Then we have the uh, republic, which is the representative or constitutional republic, which means we let our people we choose to represent us make those decisions, and then we trust our judiciary to make sure that they are indeed constitutional. So, uh, th- and that's what? What this is, that's what this is all about. Our laws, and thank you, my friend. I appreciate the call, Dave. I want to get some more people in. Our laws are made by our representatives. We choose them they make the laws we don't like it then we vote them out and we change those laws then with the new representatives that's what a representative republic does they want it to be a straight where well i don't like what they were what the representatives did so let's go right to the constitution and amend it and oh by the way even if it's 50 50 even if the state of ohio is 50 percent say yay 50 percent say nay one voter can determine that one voter on one side or the other will determine the outcome of that well it's stupid you don't change the foundational document of a state with one person deciding something that's so evenly split, that I'm saying in the event, that it was 50-50. You don't do that. If you want to change the foundational document of a state, of a republic, you better come with strong support. That's why it takes two-thirds of a, major- a two-thirds majority uh, of the uh, House and the Senate on the federal side and 75% of the states to make an amendment to the U.S. Constitution. And they don't even want, we're not even asking for 75% or even 66%. We're saying that a 60% majority would at least be a strong enough majority to say, okay, the people have spoken, let's change our Constitution. 50-50 plus one? It's, it's insane. 
It, it makes no sense. Keith Davey in Lakewood. Keith, go right ahead, sir. Bob, thank you so much. Hey, thanks for your efforts on issue one. Um, you've been a real trooper for us. We appreciate it. Two quick events the Lakewood West Park Conservatives have coming up tomorrow night, 630 to 8.30 at the Hungarian Church on Paradis. Peter Kirsten is our guest speaker. And we hope to have more signs in issue one thing. We've got about 100 out in Lakewood, and we're just waiting for uh, more to come into the county office. So Good tomorrow to night, 630, 630 to 830. And next Saturday, 10 o'clock, we're meeting at Lakewood Park. We're going door-to-door in Lakewood. Uh, meet in Lakewood Park at the Women's Pavilion for an issue one door-to-door. So um, hope to see everybody tomorrow night, 630 at uh, Hungarian Church on Puritan. Good stuff. Thank you, Keith. I appreciate it, my friend. We're out of time, everyone. We're back tomorrow with Cursor Now. Then we'll see you. Bye-bye. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.